You're listening to Cross Life, the college ministry of Grace Bible Church in Bozeman, Montana. Our current series is Imago Day, a study of how the character of God impacts your daily life. If you have a Bible, you can start to, to turn towards the pages of John. We're going to spend a lot of time, if not most of our time, in the book of John this evening. We've been doing this series now, this whole year called Imago Dei, if it's your first time here. And pretty much the gist of Imago Dei is that man, according to Genesis 126, 127, is created in God's image and in God's likeness. That means that your purpose in life is not fulfilled in you. Your purpose in life, what you were designed for, was to image, to mirror God. So that when God, God's light shines on the mirror, you reflect Him and not you. What sin has done, it has broken the mirror, and rather than reflecting God, rather than worshiping God, our sin, when it broke the mirror, we reflect ourselves. We worship ourselves. That's what the gospel does, is it, it doesn't just fix the mirror, it remakes the mirror. So that we, once again, as a new creation in Christ, can give God the glory, give Christ the glory. We've been looking at that this whole entire year, studying the attributes of God. If this is who God is, then if I am to reflect Him, what does that look like? Tonight we look at God of truth. God is truth. We've been singing um, all the songs that the uh, worship leaders brought to us were pretty much about the cross. That's going to be very central to what we speak about this evening with truth. A couple hours before the event that we sang about the cross, Jesus stood before Pilate in the praetorium and Pilate questioned him and Jesus said, if anyone is of the truth and hears my voice, he's going to know who I am. And Pilate looks at him and he says the words in John 18, 38, whether in spite or in true question, not sure, but he says, what is truth? What is truth? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What is the truth? Sure you have. You're students. That's why you go to school. You don't you're paying money to find the truthful answer. You want to find the right answer, I hope. That's the whole point of learning, is to find the truthful answer. Why did Magellan set forth the biggest, one of the biggest expositions ever to circumnavigate the whole way around the earth was to find truth. He wanted to know in truth what was out there. Although he died in the process, searching for it, he wanted to know what was really out there. Why do people get married? You get, I got married because I wanted to know this lady named Jennifer in truth. I wanted to know her. I didn't, wanna, I didn't marry her to find out lies. I married her because I wanted to know who she was. I wanted to know the truth. Men look for truth and they look for the freedom that it brings. Men have always searched for truth. Long, long, long time ago, most all over the earth, people thought that truth was found in a deity, right or wrong. 
And they believed that freedom was an appeasement of this deity, right or wrong. Not much long after that, with the age of the Enlightenment, the idea was that, you know, truth is found in higher thought. And freedom is found in if you can articulate with the mind and, and formulate these words, that's what truth is, is that if we can rise our minds high enough and articulate what it is, the philosopher said, I think, therefore I am. We don't need an outside deity. I can, form, I can find truth in here. Not long after that, to add to that, with the age of uh, the Romantic age, Truth was not only found in the mind, it was found in the heart. Not only what I think, but truth is found what I feel. Recently, in the modern and postmodern era, we have confused truth with saying that you can't know truth. We say, well, it's, it's relevant, right? And, and we are kind of products of this. Actually, many of you are products of the next era, but we've confused truth and say, we, we can't know what truth is. It depends on your culture. It depends on your context. It depends who you're talking to. What happened to freedom? Well, I don't know. Now that we've moved past that, recently um, people are saying that we are in what's called the pseudo-modern era. And it's been um, pushed by technology. Your truth depends upon your own individual world. You create truth. Where rather than truth was from God and I had to find it, now according to your little world, my little world, I can listen to what I want. I can look at what I want. I can say what I want. I can post a selfie of what I want. And that's the beauty of Snapshot is there's Snapchat, there's, there's no consequences. It's gone. Right? What happened to freedom? If I've created my truth, leave your cell phone at home one day and tell me about freedom. That's a weird feeling, isn't it? You see, truth has gone from outside to I find my own individual truth now. What is truth? That's what Pilate asked. That's what we need to ask. Truth is a big deal to men, and truth is a big deal to God. I did a study. That, that was my introduction A. Introduction B is to truth is uh, I did a sweep through Scripture to try to get my hands on all of the things and the fruit of truth. That scripture says, and I'm, just, I'm going to read a ton of them to you right now before we get into our text. The first one that hit me, Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth. God doesn't believe truth. He doesn't search for truth. Deuteronomy 32 says he is a God of truth. See if you recognize, who said these words? Into thine hands I commit my spirit. Who said that? David in Psalms 31.5. Let me finish the sentence. O Lord, God of truth. 
How could Jesus, into thine hands I commit my spirit. He gave up his spirit. You know why? He trusted in a God of truth. We could just study that this evening. Let's keep talking. Truth is central to love. Speak the truth in love, Scripture says. Truth is rejoiced in. 1 Corinthians 13.6 says, Rejoice in the truth. Truth sets free. John 8.32 says, Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Men by themselves are apart from truth. 2 Timothy 3.7 says, Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Truth can be traded for a lie or evil. Romans 1.25 says that who changed the truth of God for a lie. God's word is truth. Psalms 1.19 says again and again and again, O Lord, all thy commandments are truth. God is close to those who walk in truth. The Lord is nigh unto them who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Truth is from Jesus. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Worship must be in truth. John 4.23 says, The worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Those apart from the truth perish. 2 Thessalonians 2.12 says, That they all might be damned to believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There is nothing else for those who reject the truth. Hebrews 10.26 says, For if we sin willingly after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Truth is the measure of who is and who is not a Christian. He that says, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. God judges men according to the truth. Romans 2.2 says, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. The truth of God is how a man is reborn. James 1.18 says, Of his will he begat us by the word of truth. Truth is central to the gospel. Galatians 2.5 says it's the, gospel, the truth of the gospel. Truth sanctifies. It grows the believer. It's God's word. John 17.17 17 says, Sanctify them through your word. Your word is true. Truth is a trait of a Christian. Ephesians 4.25 says, Put away lying and speak every man truth of his neighbor. Truth protects the Christian. Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand therefore, have your loins gird about with truth. Neglect of the truth shipwrecks the believer. Galatians 3.1 says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Truth approves those who are ministers of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I had eight pages. I condensed the two. And then I made that a little bit smaller. There is so much that God says about truth. He is a God of truth. And it's a big deal to him. What is truth? I think that if we search the scriptures, we will find truth. Let's turn to John, excuse me, John 8. We're going to start in verse 30. That's going to be our text for the rest of the evening.
In chapter 8 of John, and you know, guys, I love John. When we are looking at truth, he has a, in, in, I did a search for truth in all of Scripture. Nothing compares to John's comprehension, his understanding, and the sheer volume that he uses truth. There's all these truth statements in Scripture. And then it's John who records in John, I think, 14, Jesus steps up and he says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John's understanding of truth is, is so, it's so personal. It's, 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 it's like a notch past everybody else, it seems. It's as if he was closer to the truth. I think you'll understand what I mean here in a second. Well, we're going to look at John for this reason. Um, in the life of Jesus in, Rome, in um, John 8, a lot's happened by chapter 8. People have seen his miracles. They've heard him preach. They've seen him cast out demons. And the Pharisees, especially at this point, they hate him. They're not questioning anymore who is he. They hate him. They will do anything they can to try to catch him up. Just the morning of work that we're going to talk about here in Romans 8, they try to kill a person just to catch Jesus in this sin. Just to try to catch, just to find something wrong. Remember the, the, uh, the lady that was caught in adultery? They were willing to go out and find her and bring her and kill her just to catch Jesus in his words. That's wicked. By John 8, um, 25, they said, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you, that from the beginning I have many things to say to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world these things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, and guys, that is a term, that's a, that's a way of Jesus pointing forward three times as I counted in John. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men into myself. He's talking about when you put me on the cross and kill me, then you're going to know because I'm not going to stay there. Three days later, I'm going to rise. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as for my Father taught me, I speak these things, and He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please Him. And then verse 30 says, As He spoke these words, many believed in Him. That sounds like a pretty good thing. Let me ask you a question. Is it enough to believe the truth? Is that sufficient for salvation? Jesus Christ told of His coming crucifixion. He told of His coming resurrection. And many believed. Let me remind you of some other places in Scripture that the same thing happened. In John 2, 23, Jesus had just done 
a whole bunch of miracles. And many believed in Him. But it says that Jesus did not commit Himself to them. Why not? You have, all, you have a whole multitude of people who are believing in Jesus, and it says He did not commit Himself to them because He knew what was in their heart. Why were they following Him? Because they were amazed by Him. But they were not changed by Him. And so He did not commit Himself to them. It was not a belief that led to salvation. It was a belief that led to just a, wow. A lot of people do that. They, 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 they believe Jesus, they hear his words, and they're like, wow, what, what a great man. What an intellect. What a, they believe a lot of true things about him, but they don't go far enough. And that mob that believed him at one point... Jesus talks about um, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, speaking about what's going to happen, where we talk about communion, looking back, and they leave. They're gone. This is, a, these are, this is a hard teaching. No followers, no believers anymore after that. Luke 8, 6 talks about the seed that fell on the rock. Remember that the, the guy who goes out and he plants seeds and it fell on the different soils? The seed that fell on the rock... Jesus explained in um, verse 13 that uh, this was faith. They believed in faith for a while, but because it was not nourished, it withered. You see, there was belief in the truth, but it didn't last because there was no nourishment. In Hebrews 10.38, the author says, The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. A, a person who truly believes the truth, salvation, believing salvation, they don't draw back. These people in Scripture, they believed, but then they drew back. James 2.19 calls this a demonic faith. It says even the, even the, de the demons believe, and they tremble. They believe the truth, and they tremble, but they are not saved. So what's the difference? What, um, what does it mean to have believing, sal salvific faith? I think this is, I think this is common. Many people go to church. Many people have made confessions. Many people sing songs. Many people are wowed by Scripture, the words of Jesus. But is it a believing, salvation-saving faith? It's the same way I imagine that um, when a man confesses that he loves his wife, but he acts the exact same way. There's a lot of guys who say, I love you. But they live the same, they treat their wives the same way. They don't change. And you know what it does? It maddens. It's meaningless. And it becomes, their word of love becomes an insult. That's what it is. It, faith without works, James says, it, it's dead. So what is the whole truth about salvation? Let's keep reading. 
As he spoke these words, many believed him. And then Jesus turned, and Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. He's about to talk to them and, and, and get them from step one, the first part, believing to this. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. I'd like to look at two things, because this is important to understanding and knowing the truth. What does abide mean? And what is disciple? Because I want to know the truth. I don't want to believe a lie, especially when it comes to my soul, especially when it comes to salvation, eternity. The word abide, meno, it has two, it's kind of, a, it has a dual meaning to it. The first part is, is to continue. If you continue in my word, if you believe and you continue. The second part of the word abide is to be kept. So there's this relationship in saving salvation. How do you know you're a believer, a true believer? One, you continue in the word and you are kept by the word. Let me ask you a question. What, what is your relationship to this book? What are your habits around this do you love god's word like is it like water are you a thirsty man and woman and this book is like water like, do you love spending time in it that's what it means to to abide in is to love it then to be kept by it by by what it says then you are my disciple and there's a lot of people there's a lot of cliches and the things that we say about what it means to be a disciple in, the, in the, the most simplest way that we can under, understand disciple is this. A disciple means learner. It means you're a learner. In Luke 6.40 it says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly taught will be like his teacher. You see, in this day and age there were rabbis, and the rabbis would have pupils, they would have students, and the students would follow them around, and they would observe how the rabbi would wash his hands, and they would observe how he lived his life, and he'd observe how he prayed, and he would observe how he read the, how he read the word, and the student became like his teacher. He was a learner. Not, not just here, where he just acknowledged it, he changed. And Jesus says this, okay, to you... Students who say that you believe, if you abide, if you stay in the word, if you're kept by the word, and if you were a disciple, if you are changed by the word. Let me ask you a question again. Do you love God's word? I love God's word. And I don't want to say this arrogantly, because you know why I love God's word? It's the Holy Spirit who points me to God's word. This week I was able to spend, because it's my job and I love it, it was a Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, I, I was able to sit in Cold Smoke Coffee House from 9.30 till 2.30, uninterrupted, just like this, studying. And it was like, it was, I didn't get tired of it. I loved it. 
I couldn't wait to, to learn more so I could know Jesus more and so I could tell you about it more. Is every time I'm in the Word like that? No. But there will be some times in life where I'm going through something and somebody will just they'll give me a little bit of truth, a little bit of Word. It's like salve on a cut. It's just what I needed. I love God's Word. Do you love God's Word? Do you abide in it? If you do, you'll be kept by it. And if you are, you'll be changed by it. That's saving faith. I believe what you say, Jesus. And I'm being changed by it. Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey me. Faith and works. There's a combination there. And it's not your works. It's the works that the Holy Spirit has allowed and God has prepared beforehand for you. That's how you know. Let's keep talking. A disciple learns of Jesus, becomes like Jesus, he knows Jesus. We studied this for a year, Tanner, 1 John 2, 6. Was it a year? If you claim to abide in him, you will walk as he walked. You'll be a disciple. You'll look like him. What does that mean? Believe the truth, abide the truth. And here's what John says. If you abide in my words, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's two parts there. There's a knowing the truth. If you believe it and you live it and you're changed, then you'll know it. And that word know, it's, a, it's not just a, yeah, I know that. It's, the, it's of the deepest nature. It's intellectual. It's emotional. It's physical. It's a Jewish idiom for how a man and a woman would know each other in the deepest, most intimate ways of marriage. You will know the truth. There will be no secrets. You will know it with all your heart. You will know the truth. Do you desire Jesus to that degree? All your heart. Do you know that that is God's will for you to desire truth to that degree? Psalms 51.6 of the Lord speaking, Behold God, you desire truth in my inward parts, in, the, in my intestines, to the deep, as they would have said it, my bowels. God desires truth where my emotions are. Right there. God desires you to know truth. Men desire to know truth. They, they want it. They desire to know truth about existence. They desire to know truth about the meaning of life. The truth about what makes them happy. The truth about what is right, morals. The truth about what is wrong. The truth about gender and what it means to be fulfilled as a man or a woman. They desire to know the truth about death and destiny. 2 Timothy 3.7 says, Men are always learning and never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Always learning, 
They're always searching and philosophizing about what these things are, and they're never able to get it. I don't want to sound arrogant, but I understand and know existence. I understand the meaning of life. You do, Andy? I understand creation. I understand morality. I understand what it means to be a man. And I understand what it means to be a woman. Really? (laughs) How do you know that, Andy? I met Jesus. What? Don't you got to be really smart to understand all this? No, not really. If you knew me, I'm not that smart. I just, I, I met Jesus and I found out that he is the truth behind all these truths. You see, if you know, if you wonder about creation, you come to know Jesus, you find out he's the creator. And you say, what, what makes me happy in life? And then you find out that your joy is by reflecting what you were created for is that you were made to reflect God. And you can only do that when you come to Christ. He is the answer to happiness and fulfillment. He's the creator of life, the meaning of happiness. He defines what is morally acceptable. He defines and illustrates what it means to be a man. He teaches about what it means to be a man or a woman who pleases God. And he has purchased and cares for my eternal soul. You don't have to be that smart to know all that truth. Once you know Jesus, you know the truth behind the truth. What does that do? What is the result of knowing Jesus like this? John says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What does it set me free from? Well, from the obvious, ignorance. We search for truth because we're ignorant about certain things. When you know the truth, you are set free from ignorance. You have an understanding of Jesus, and you, you don't have to, you're not worried about what's going to happen to me someday, because I know Christ. Now, do, do I worry about death? Man, I think about it. But I am not worried about where I'm going, because I know Christ, and He knows me. You know, the, uh, Jesus said, um, the, truth will, the truth will set you free. And the Jews said the obvious. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, in verse 33, and have never been in bondage to anyone. The way that Jesus phrased this, it says, the truth frees you, presupposing that you're in chains. And the Jews says, well, we're not slaves. Who are, who are you kidding? We have the law. Very ironic. At this point, so far, the Jews have been slavery to Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Media Persia, Greece, Persia, and now they're in Rome and they're saying, we're free. We have the law. I know exactly where I come from. I have a lineage. And Jesus says, anyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. You don't get it. The very law that you are hanging on to, it's just showing That you're more of a sinner because you can't even keep the law. It's because you're a slave to sin. See, that's us. We we would say, I'm not a slave. I can do whatever I want. Haven't you ever heard of free will, Andy? 
I'd say, absolutely. And the, and the slave on a galley ship has the freedom to think, he has the freedom to feel, he has the freedom of emotion, but his hands are chained to the oars. He is not free. We are chained to slavery and what make to sin, and what makes it worse is that we love it. We're willing slaves to sin. The word that um, Christ used here for slavery in um, verse 34. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin, is the word doulos. It is the lowest form of slavery. You were owned. You had no rights. You had no privileges. And you did whatever the master said. If the master said, go clean the toilet, you clean the toilet. If the master said, you carry my stuff and you put it there, you didn't, you had no freedom. You were owned the same way that sin owns. And it does whatever it wants with you. And it only goes downhill. That is the kind of slavery that we are in when we are a slave to sin. How do you get out? Well, you can't. Adulas was, was unable to free himself. Just as we are unable to free ourselves a quote that I've heard before and I found, again, I wanted to share with you is that this, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And sin will cost you more than you could ever pay. And that's the kind of slavery we're in. Our master, who, if we are um, enslaved to sin, will take us further than we ever wanted to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you could ever pay. How in the world, if this is true, do you get out of that slavery? I want you to remember that morning. John 8, Jesus gets up in the morning, and he goes into the temple, and he's teaching like it was his custom to do. And while he's teaching... The Pharisees walk in, and they bring in, I suspect, a prostitute. Because how else did they catch her in the act? I imagine she's a prostitute. She is an obvious slave to sin. And they say, to, her, they say to, to Jesus, the law says that she deserves death. And it did. And she did. She had violated the law, and they caught her. What are you going to do about it, Jesus? And so Jesus, it says, um, the, the way it records, it's, it's as if he's not listening, and he bends down, and he starts to write in the sand. And meanwhile, they, they still have her in their grip, and they're ready to kill her. They want to they test Jesus, give, him, give them something to, that they can bring against him. And then Jesus says, whoever is, the, whoever is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down and he begins to write. And it says, from the oldest to the last, they walked away. Because they knew that they were not worthy to execute justice. Who did they think they were? 
And when Jesus looks up at her, to this slave of sin, this lady who was in bondage and it was going to cost her her life, and he says, where's your accusers? And she says, they're gone. And Jesus says, well, I, I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more. And he sets a slave free. How can, who is Jesus that he can do that? Because a slave to sin pays with their life. It's because the son paid with his life. Jesus set her free because of what he was going to do. And he says to her, go and sin no more. I can only imagine how that lady's life was changed. I, I don't know if it's recorded in Scripture, but I would imagine that she placed her faith in Him and that she was changed by Him because of what He would do on the cross. Because the Son has paid the price for freedom with His life, it says in John 8, 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Do you notice the parallel there between 36 and 32? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What's the truth? I'll tell you about it. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, Jesus Christ is the truth. And if he sets you free, you are truly, you are free truly. You are free freely. Totally free. Let's go to Imago Day as we close. And the idea with Imago Day is, is if this is who God is, if God is the God of truth, and his truth is Jesus Christ and all of the the truth behind that, what does that make you? If this is who God is, He is truth, what does that make you? How do you reflect Him? If God is truth, then you are free. If who God is is true, then who you are, Christian, is you are free. Can I tell you something revolutionary? You don't have to sin. You are not a slave of sin any longer. Do I sin? I do. Man, I hate it. I hate my sin. Because it's not who I am. Like, I'll sin. I'm like, Andy, that's not you. You're a new creation. Like, that junk used to taste good, and then I'll take a little teaspoon, and I'm like, oh, I'm not the pig I used to be that loves slop. Now I eat it, and it makes me sick, and it looks like guilt and shame because I know what it took to make me a new creation in Christ. I hate it. I'm free from that. I want to tell you three true things that God has given you that releases you from slavery to sin for the first time and that it's what I teach myself 
when I am tempted with sin. The first part is that John 14, 6 says that Jesus is the truth of the gospel that set men free. The only way this lady was set free from sin is because Jesus paid the debt on the cross that I owed. And when He paid that debt, and I am in Him, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I, I don't have a debt anymore. You know what that makes me before God? I can come boldly before His throne because I'm paid for. And now that I am righteous before God, that truth has taken place and taken root. Do you know what can enter in? The truth of the Spirit. Jesus says, it is good that I go. Because if I go, I will send you, in John 16, the Spirit of truth. More truth, believer. And what does He do? The Spirit of truth will guide you in all truth. How do you know how to live? The Spirit of truth teaches you how to live. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So Jesus Christ, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life died for me. So I'm paid for. I'm made righteous. And at that point, a holy God enters in by his spirit of truth. And I have new desires. Why? Because God's spirit of truth is teaching me to walk in truth. John 17 says, and he will guide you in all truth. Ready for this? More truth. John 17, 17 says, clean them up, make them stronger, make them more holy, holy them, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. So you have Jesus Christ who is truth, who paid for you, and he's made you clean. He's paid the price. That's why we sing about it. And because of that, the spirit of God enters in and it guides us into more truth, the truth of His Word. And the truth of His Word is, is un, it's unplumbable. You can't get to the bottom. You study, you find more truth. I would challenge you to read Psalms 119 and see what God's Word of truth does. Not only does it reveal who Jesus Christ is, but it makes you wise you wise into salvation. I am wiser than my teachers. Are you free? Man, every time I am tempted with sin, I remind myself this truth. Andy, there is a holy God, which is true, who sees you. And He is omnipresent. And at all times, He is with you. And what you are tempted with, he hates. I tell you, that truth teaches me through fear to run from sin. And then I teach myself more truth. Actually, it's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit teaches me to hate sin. And the Spirit says, Andy, do you, don't you see in the Scriptures, which is more truth, James 1.17 says that those thoughts, they begin here and they grow up and they lead to destruction. They go downhill. Don't you remember that that's why your Savior died to set you free? More truth. 
And if the Son has set you free, and you're free indeed, you don't have to do that. You're not a slave. You can freely say, I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to worship the Lord with my entire life. That's the sanctifying work of, of His Word. Are you free? There's a lot more we could say, but that's all that I have for tonight. We're going to close with a word of prayer. And um, we'll have the guys and gals come up and lead us as we sing in truth, which is what God desires. And then afterwards, we're going to speak to one another in truth about His word of truth. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free to love you truly. It's so easy to falsely love you when we believe, when we're not reading your word, Lord. Lord, help us not to say things that are stupid. Help us not to say things that are dark, even when they sound good. Lord, help our words to be tempered and tamed by what is true. Help us to be a people who loves your truth. Lord, thank you for setting us free with the truth. Lord, help us not to love and live in ignorance any longer. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters here that are here this evening. I pray, Lord, that we would encourage one another. And um, pray that as we stand and sing now, that we would uh, we'd glorify you with our, with our whole. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cross Life. Feel free to share this recording with others, but please do not charge for it or alter the contents in any way, or we will find you. For more recordings or other information about Grace Bible Church, visit gbcmt.org.